You are listening to Finding My Ray of Sunshine, episode number two. In today's episode, I will be discussing how October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month and how this month brings scary statistics among those who are suffering from this tremendous kind of loss. Welcome to Finding My Ray of Sunshine, a podcast about my journey following infant loss. I am your host, Callan Migatz, and my goal is to allow you to walk alongside me as I find my ray of sunshine following the loss of my daughter, Reagan Lee. Hello, and welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and follow alongside me during my journey in finding my ray of sunshine. So October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, so I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about that subject. Um, But before I get into it, I do want to share some pretty exciting news. Um, It's going to lead into kind of the rest of my topic, but um, Dan and I, we decided to um, start the adoption process, and we are very excited to um, get started with this. Um, We're also very nervous because we know it could take a a long time, but we know it's worth it in the end, and we are just very, very excited to get this journey started um, because it's something we kind of always have talked about throughout our relationship, and we never really thought this would be our, our first child going through adoption, but um, we know it could take a while, and while my body still needs to heal um, through my surgery, we figured that this would be a really great opportunity to um, get started in the process and filling out some paperwork. So I just wanted to share that pretty exciting news with you guys, Um, but it also kind of relates to all this because as I was Um, filling out a portfolio, a profile for, um, that kind of talked about who Dan and I, who we are and our relationship and, you know, kind of everything that we've been through. Um, I really wanted to kind of open up and talk about my story in that, in the um, profile. So I was describing everything that, um, Dan and I had recently been through with Reagan And listening back to my other podcast, I don't know if I actually um, explained why I suffered from all that bleeding towards the end of my pregnancy. Um, So I kind of want to fit that in right now. Um, But the reason why I um, experienced all that bleeding was because I suffered from a placental abruption. And specifically, I suffered from a velamentous cord insertion. So I kind of wanted to share with you guys what that was. Um, a velamentous cord insertion is an abnormal cord insertion in which the umbilical vessels diverge as they traverse between the amnion and chorion before reaching the placenta. Um, I know that's kind of a lot, so I'm going to try to describe it. So if you kind of put your hand out with your palm facing up, um, just think about your palm as the placenta, and you want the cord to be coming, um, growing out from the middle 
but unfortunately my cord was growing on the side from like where like your thumb would be and the bigger I grew the cord started um, separating from the placenta um, causing the placental to, placenta to tear um, so unfortunately that is what caused um, all that bleeding in my pregnancy towards the end of my pregnancy which led to everything else um, but so I wanted to, when I was doing the adoption paperwork or filling out the profile about um, me and Dan, um, I wanted to make sure I was spelling it correctly. So I Googled it and um, I found a pretty scary statistic um, kind of going along with it. And I wanted to share, um, this is just a case report in obstetrics and gynecology. Um, just kind of going over exactly what this is. And I read that um, reported that 1% in pregnancies is associated with um, umbilical cord abnormalities. Um, it's sometimes, most of the time, can be... Um, diagnosed early on, especially with you have consistent ultrasounds. Um, but unfortunately mine happened after my 20 week ultrasound and it's not really common to have a lot of ultrasounds after 20 weeks. Um, so I think this just kind of goes along with this, um, pregnancy and infant loss awareness, um, month, just cause I just imagine if I had gotten more consistent ultrasounds, just the, that they would have caught it and maybe we could have done in this a C-section before all this had happened. Um, it just, it's very scary the fact that there weren't enough ultrasounds um, after 20 weeks um, and it's, it's not coming. And I guess it's only common unless you're having, you know, high blood pressure or if either you or like the baby's heart rate isn't what the doctor would like it to be. Then I know then there's reasons for the doctor to think it's important to go get an ultrasound. But every appointment I went to after 20 weeks, everything was normal. My blood pressure was normal. Um, Reagan's heartbeat was normal. Um, there was really no concern, no numbers showing the doctor that I should be getting an ultrasound, which it's just, it's kind of crazy to me that like everything was going so well. I could not have asked for um, a, a, a better pregnancy. Like it was, it was smooth. It was easy. Like it was not a difficult pregnancy and it's just really scary that, um, it happened and there was just nothing, um, no numbers that kind of brought the doctors to think that I needed an ultrasound. And I was not, I was high risk in the beginning of my pregnancy because of going through fertility, going through the fertility procedure of IUI, but they, after 12 weeks, they released me and, 
Um, they said I wasn't considered high risk anymore. Um, so they just, they, you know, they did the normal um, ultrasounds when they were supposed to at every four weeks. And um, just after that, the 20 week one, I guess, you know, something went wrong and just the numbers were not um, showing the doctor that I needed to get an ultrasound. Otherwise, they probably could have detected it. We probably could have done something about it. So I think just with this awareness month, I just I I don't know if this is possible, but like I would love to just be able to just speak up and kind of fight for a woman's right to get more consistent ultrasound throughout the entire pregnancy. Um because otherwise it, it can get really expensive if, if you ask for an ultrasound when it's not um, prescribed from the doctor. So um, I just I just believe that a woman should be able to get more consistent ultrasounds to detect early on um, some cord abnormalities, which could decrease the amount of pregnancy losses and complications that are leading to infant losses. And that's exactly what I um, suffered from. But I think another thing that really kind of got to me as I was reading that was that one, one percent of pregnancies um, come from these umbilical cord abnormalities. And it just really sucks. And I'll be honest, it really sucks to hear that I am now this 1%. Um, this, ever since I read that, this statistic is kind of haunting me just because it's such a low and rare statistic. And it's like it had to happen to me on top of everything else that I had to go through in order to get pregnant. And I don't want to play like, you know, pity me, woe is me, but it's just one thing on top of another that made this journey very difficult. And to think that the what happened to me was 1% chance of it happening. And unfortunately, I am now that 1%. My, I'm a statistic and I know in a way kind of everybody is in one way or another, but I really, really hate being a part of this 1%, being part of this statistic because it is so heartbreaking. Um, yeah, so I wanted to share that because right now, obviously, what I want to do is bring awareness. Um, and I just, I would love to be able to, in some way or another, I would love to be able to um, kind of speak up and really just advocate for more consistent ultrasounds um, throughout the pregnancy because I think it could detect a lot more and I think it could prevent in more losses, either both the pregnancy or the infant loss. Um, so that is, I wanted to kind of bring that up and just kind of discuss that and bring awareness to that. Um, like I said, this ultrasounds, you know, unfortunately, 
it leads to a lot more pregnancy losses and infant losses than I think people realize. Um, when I lost Reagan, I feel like I didn't really have um, the resources or support um, to go and talk to anybody. But now kind of like as I'm getting out there and telling my story and um, through this podcast and even just word of mouth, people are reaching out to me and telling me their story as well. And it's just, it's really scary to learn like how common this is. And this is, it's just a statistic that I wish would just decrease. And I think with this, um, with the more consistent ultrasounds, it would help decrease this. Um, but I, I was curious on how often this is happening and how many women are, um, losing pregnancies and infants. And I, I wanted to, I looked it up and I wanted to know this. Um, so yeah, I mean, losing a pregnancy and losing a baby is probably one of the most painful experiences a parent, not even just a woman, a parent, both husband and wife, like they will ever experience. Um, but yeah, they are definitely more common than I think most of us realize. Um, about 10 to 15% of women will experience a miscarriage. Um, about 24,000 United States babies are stillborn each year. And over a thousand babies die each year in the United States because of SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome. Um, and that's those statistics are very overwhelming. Um, but it just kind of shows how often women are going through this. And I, I just think there needs to be a lot more support. There needs to be a lot more resources, but especially when it comes to the workforce. Um, when I, you know, after I reached out to my work, um, so I'm a teacher, but after I reached out to my work and I explained kind of everything that is, that had happened and, um, how I wasn't ready yet to go back to work in August. Um, you know, I'm not going to really name my district, but it didn't really have the best. Um, it was hard trying to figure out with my district what was the best course to take um, because originally my leave, so since Reagan was um, born in May, um, I was taking, I wanted to take, um, since she was a summer baby, I didn't really have um, like maternity leave, but I wanted to um, take kind of that first semester off of school. So I worked with my district. We got it all figured out. I was going to take, um, it was unpaid, but I was going to take an FMLA um, from August to November. Um, and then I did for that one month left in the semester, I um, didn't want to come back for a month and then go back to work again in, um, January. So I talked to my district about getting a parental leave and I got approved. So my original plan was to be gone from August 
and then come back in January after um, winter break. And um, so we had it all figured out. But then when this happened, they proceeded to tell me that bereavement is not a part um, of FMLA. So we we needed to figure out because I was not ready to go back to work. Um, I wasn't sleeping well, um, crying multiple times throughout the day. And I was like, my students need me. They need 100 percent of me. It's not fair. It's kind of selfish to go into work um, and just not be there fully present for my students, but the staff that I work with, too. I mean, um, I am a special education teacher. You know, I it's not an easy job and I needed to be 100 percent present to be the best I could be for my students. And I just felt like I wasn't there yet. Um, I needed I needed time and it was very difficult trying to figure out what I wanted to like with my district, what to do, because according to them, bereavement was not a part of, um, it wasn't written in the contract for like long-term bereavement. I could have taken like, like two sick days, you know, for when it comes like family bereavement, but like long-term bereavement is not, in our contract and there's really no um there was no like way that we could work it out so what i i was kind of you know going through um the news and i learned that um there is a bill that um the senate is trying to pass um the support through loss act and you know i've kind of been looking it up and just kind of want to bring awareness to this because I think that this is something that is really needed. Because um, going back with those statistics that I shared about how many women are actually who actually go through the loss of a child, either like you know the actual losing the pregnancy, stillborn, um, losing the infant, like it's through SIDS. Like there's there's so many women that are going through this. And I think that just because the numbers are pretty high, like I went more women need support um, post um, loss to kind of help with their grief. And I think especially when it comes to work and I, they just don't know what to do because there really isn't anything. There's no like direct route that you can go to when taking your uh, time off of work. So I think this support through loss act would be, um, I think it would be really great. And I just, I looked it up. Um, and I went through just the U S, um, uh, Congresswoman, um, is looking through her um, website or, um, just kind of reading about it. Um, Congresswoman Presley, um, she's the district of Massachusetts. And I just kind of wanted to learn more about this act and just kind of reading through a website that gave some bullet points about, you know, what this, um, act would specifically um, go for. And I just wanted to read a couple of the bullet points. Um, invest $45 million annually to the National Institutes of Health for federal research into miscarriage and pregnancy loss. I think that's amazing because um, like kind of looking into what we could like, you know, early intervention kind of on how to intervene and be, and hopefully be able to stop a lot of these um, issues before it leads to like the actual loss, I think would be 
great in helping Russia reduce these numbers, um, but uh, also they require the United States Department of Health and Human Services, including the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, to develop and disseminate public information regarding pregnancy loss, including information on the incidence and prevalence of pregnancy loss, as well as the range of treatment options for pregnancy loss and recurrent pregnancy loss. So I think just kind of having that information out there um, would be awesome. You know, workers, um, healthcare workers in the hospitals being able to provide like really great resources to parents would be wonderful. I got a, I got a couple, um, but nothing really that kind of stuck out to me that I wanted to pursue. Um, and finally, I think this, um, finally this last bullet point to ensure employers provide at least three days of paid leave for workers to process and cope following a pregnancy loss an unsuccessful assisted reproductive technology procedure, a failed adoption arrangement, a failed surrogacy arrangement, or a medical diagnosis or event that impacts pregnancy or fertility. Um, I think like that paid part is super great because um, people have to fall to unpaid FMLA. And I think that, you know, worrying about money and income on top of grief and losing a child, um, that's a lot to worry about. Um, it's when you think about, you know, trying to have all these unpaid days, it's like, um, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, talk about anyone's, you know, um, income, but you know, teachers don't make that much money. So, um, yeah, I think kind of worrying about your income on top of this grief is it's very stressful and it could kind of postpone or kind of increase the amount of time that a woman needs um, to kind of get over this grief and this loss. So I think that pay part is great. Um, it says at least three days. Um, I personally like I've I need more like right now. I'm so I took my I took um, FMLA after talking to a therapist and just I was able to get some time off through like that emotional and mental support. Um, and I've, you know, I've been off since August. Um, but like my 12 weeks is coming to a close kind of soon, but anyway, um, so I've needed a lot more than three days. Um, but it's something, it's a start and it says at least three days, but I think that's a really great start to have this discussion about maybe what people need, what women need, um, or even maybe like, even like husbands, like it's hard. Like he lost, my husband lost a baby too. I went through it all with my body, but my husband lost a daughter and, um, he's going through grief as well. And he's grieving in his own way, but, um, he's still going through it. And I think, just parents, yeah, I, this, I should probably say that better. Parents um, need that time to grieve and not have to worry about work. Because if I just, like, kind of dove right into work and I wasn't my best, like, I can't even imagine uh, just taking on the stress of my job, but also just not – I can't imagine not giving myself – all of myself to my students. Um, and it just, it baffles me that, um, there's really not 
support when it comes to work to help parents with the loss of a child, like bereavement. Like I was told bereavement, bereavement wasn't a part of my leave. So I needed to figure out and go a different route. And, you know, luckily my district worked with me and and we figured it out. But um, I think this time would be, it would be wonderful. Um, And I like how that there's a lot of different um, categories under it. It's not just um, pregnancy loss, but it's failed um, fertility um, with that emotional, because after I lost my, um, my first two IUIs were unsuccessful. Like I was an emotional wreck. Um, it was hard. So just unsuccessful per- fertility procedures, failed adoption. Um, that is great. Including that part, as I just said, you know, Dan and I, we're going to go through, we're going to start the adoption process. Um, and, kind of thinking about if this doesn't work out, like that's, that's going to be really tough to absorb. So failed um, adoption, failed surrogacy, or a medical diagnosis that impacts pregnancy or fertility. So like if, um, you know, if a woman finds out that, you know, unfortunately she's carrying a baby that won't live very long after delivery, like I can't even imagine that like that's that's a medical diagnosis that I hopefully will never ever have to hear but then having to go to work maybe the next day after hearing that you're carrying a baby that's not going to make it after you deliver like deciding what to do that's that could be really tough so I really like um that there's a lot of different categories under it, but I just I encourage you to just kind of research. I'm still researching it. I'm still learning about it, but I did hear about it and I'm really intrigued. And, um, I just encourage you to, um, kind of look it up and read about it and everything that entails. I think that it's a great start. And I think that it's really necessary, especially kind of going through, um, all of that, obviously very recently. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of the things that I wanted to get on here and talk about, um, you know, pregnancy and infant loss is hard. Um, obviously it's, it's the hardest thing that I think, um, a parent, but even like at any age, losing a child at any age, um, you know, it's very hard. Um, so I think just kind of having more support, but, and then I just kind of also wanted to, yeah, share with you guys that statistic that I learned about, um, cord abnormalities and it's not common. (laughs) It's 1%, as I said, um, happens in, um, singleton pregnancies with, you know, carrying, you know, one baby as opposed to two, but, um, so it just kind of scared me when I learned about that 1% and it's not a fun statistic to be a part of. Um, but I guess that's now a part of my story. It's now part of who I am. Um, and with just October being this awareness month for pregnancy and infant loss, I just wanted to share, um, that statistic that leads to, um, 
infant loss is what I experienced. But um, this, you know, also just encourage you to um, just since this is a hard month for lots of women, like I said, this is more common than people think. Um, People don't realize it because it's just a hard thing to talk about. And, you know, we don't want to. It it was hard for me to share my story. Um, It still is hard. Um, Connecting on with people on such like this intimate level is it's pretty, it's hard. Um, so I guarantee there are a lot more out there that I'm sure that you guys know of women who, um, parents who have lost babies, children. So I just encourage you to, and you don't have to do anything crazy. Um, I think just thinking about me, I think just like a text, here like now and then just saying love you I'm thinking about you um I don't really want any like big grand gestures not seeing to you know make me one I'm just saying like I just think about me like in this month and just everything that I'm seeing and hearing and learning um I just think it would just be wonderful if you are ever thinking about like what to do if you know someone who has kind of gone through this kind of loss um if you're thinking about what you can do what you can do to help just a quick message. I'm here. I love you. Thinking about you, praying for you. Um, just letting them know that you're there. Um, I think that would be, that's, that's helpful and just makes you feel like you're not alone. Um, I feel alone in all this. Um, and my husband, he's great. He's here. He's wonderful. He's so supportive. Um, I just mean like I'm alone because um, I personally don't know too many people ha- that have gone through this. More, Like I said, more and more reaching out. And I'm getting to know some really wonderful women who have gone through this. And they are being really supportive. But um, I just also feel really alone because a lot of um, family, a lot of friends... A lot of people I know are having babies right now, and I'm so happy for them. I'm so, so happy for them, especially when they tell me that they're healthy, the baby's healthy, that everything went well. Um, But definitely these first, you know, baby announcements after losing a child, um... I feel really alone. I feel left out. I feel lost. Um, Seeing my friends um, do essentially, you know, fall is my favorite time of the year. Um, As is probably everybody says, you know, apple picking and, you know, carving pumpkins for Halloween, all that stuff. Especially seeing um, my friends and family, you know, going out with their with their own families and, um, doing all this stuff. It's, it's lonely. Um, you know, Dan and I get invited, um, along and it's great and we have a fun time and we love it. But I think just the first, it's the first fall season after it. And all the firsts are going to be very hard. Um, 
It's it's great being invited. It's obviously very different. It doesn't feel the same just because we have I have this and I don't want to speak for Dan, um, but I have this just just this whole huge hole in my heart. So um, that's kind of what I mean when I say like I just I feel really lost and I feel alone. Um, I just I want to be that family that takes their kids apple picking and goes on hay rides and takes them to the pumpkin farm. And I, you know, I just want to build all these memories and I can't right now, um, going through all this. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be Dan and my turn in the future. I'm very hopeful. Um, but yeah, just this first fall season after, um, it's hard and it's hard seeing just how happy everybody is. And like I said, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy for all my family and friends. Um, but it's, it's hard seeing how happy um, they are taking like their family and their kids places that I want to take mine and doing things with their kids that I want to do with mine. Um, so I think October is always going to be, you know, September, October has always kind of, you know, been a great time just because I love fall. But I think, you know, now that I'm a part of this category of infant loss, um, I think October is definitely going to have a different meaning for me now. But, you know, in the future when you know, Dan and I do have a family that we can kind of do all this stuff with. Definitely going to cherish it. I think I always would have, but I'm definitely going to cherish it in a way that I never expected to just, you know, cherish every moment that I have, you know, when we have our family, um, especially in October, um, now, especially without Reagan, um, I know she'll always be with me. I know she'll always be with Dan. She'll always be with our family. But our family will always have a hole in it. And we'll carry her with us always, especially in this month of October. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of going forward, October is always going to have a um, a special, me a different meaning to us. But, yeah, just I think just learning, going through all this and learning this is um Definitely cherish, and even just I mean, and I'm not gonna tell you how to how to be parents, but just please, please cherish the moments that you have with your kids, your family. Just please cherish every moment that you have. Don't take it for granted. Don't um, just think about people who don't have these opportunities right now so I think just in the spirit of awareness like just be aware of what people are going through and what people have lost and just please please I just my prayer for you is to just don't take what you have for granted love 
everyone in your life, who you have, your kids, just, yeah, I don't want to repeat myself, but be grateful for what you have. Because people are struggling with not having what you have. So, yes, that is my prayer for you. And just continue to kind of learn more about this month. And um, I know I will. And I'm looking forward to kind of trying to do my part in this awareness and anything I can do to kind of help decrease those statistics of, you know, pregnancy losses and infant losses. Um, I just want to be able to do my part and I want to help. So, um, thank you for tuning in. And thank you, and again, thank you for following alongside me in this journey, and I hope you have a wonderful day.